0: Hello everyone, I am back. I've been absent for the last two weeks. I have been traveling. My niece came down to visit me from Buffalo, New York, and then I took her back. We went back to Buffalo. We went to New York City. And in the meantime, I also went to the Outer Banks, North Carolina. So I've been off for a couple of weeks. It's been amazing, but I'm really excited to get back to podcasting. And since it is the beginning of the school year, I thought today's episode would be a great one to talk about what graduate school is. So this is getting your master's or your PhD. And even if you're not interested in careers in wildlife biology and science, It's still a great episode to listen to because I really go into depth about how you train to be a scientist. And I think that this information is super important, especially nowadays, because there's so much miscommunication about science. There's a lot of distrust from the public in scientists and the scientific process. So I'm gonna go into some details about how scientists train to be scientists. And how different science is in graduate school from what it is when you're in college or K through 12. So I also thought this would be a great episode to record now or just happenstance. Because I just spent the last 30 minutes trying to figure out how to fix my GarageBand recording so that I could record I could not hear any sound even though I recorded. And then I finally fixed it to be where I could hear sound and it was just like this big reverb and echo. So I worked on that for 30 minutes and I wanted to tear my hair out. It's a good thing I have it up today. So uh, I just found this funny in retrospect because this is so much of what science feels like. You get so frustrated, you don't know how to fix things and more or less, you're on your own. So I'll get into that, you'll understand what I'm talking about when we get into the episode. So let's go ahead and get started. Hi, I'm Dr. Stephanie Shuttler, a wildlife biologist who's learned throughout her career studying animals that science alone cannot save species. We need you. In the Fancy Scientist podcast, you'll learn about fun animals, conservation tips, and science advice all while breaking stereotypes about what a scientist looks like. Let's get started. To be honest, I didn't really understand what science was like until I went to graduate school. So I'll explain why that is. First, let's talk about what graduate school is and just how here in the United States, we get trained in the educational system. So I would say that in kindergarten through 12th grade, your your regular um, school system, and even in college too, so much of the focus on scientific classes is getting the right answer that there is either some sort of problem that you have to solve. So in chemistry and, and physics, there are a lot of different like calculations that you had to figure, figure out. And in biology, it tended to be a lot of memorization. Now, we did have some calculations, too. I taught um, biology for non-majors. And I remember a big section of this class was on the Hardy-Weinberg equilibrium which has to do with the uh, changes of allele frequencies. It has to do with genetic information in populations. And the concept of it is, is really pretty simple, but so much of the emphasis was to calculate how many or the percent of alleles of a certain type were in a population. So it ended up being a math problem. And I just felt like so much pressure was put onto that. The students had to calculate this math problem that they totally didn't really understand what the concept was about. So really how graduate school differs from undergrad and by graduate school, we mean getting a master's degree or a PhD is that you are the one trying to figure things out and that there's really not a solid answer to it. And, and this is at least if you get a thesis degree. So there are different types of master's programs. There's non-thesis and thesis, but thesis really means research. And that's what we're talking about too when it comes to PhD. So in undergrad, you're really taking lots of courses. And I remember actually with my, my, my former mother-in-law and she would, I would be in graduate school at the time that I was married to my husband and she would, you know, ask me how school was and it would be like, how are your classes? When in reality, when you're in graduate school, the emphasis is not on the classes, so in undergrad, you have this, this vigorous syllabus with certain concepts that need to be taught. You have vigorous testing, or you have projects, but even if you do have projects, you usually have testing too. You have labs, and you're, you're taught to memorize or to understand a wide variety of concepts to have this breadth of knowledge. But in graduate school, it's really not like that. You're training how to be a scientist. And I have a podcast episode about this, about how science works. You're basically posing questions and then trying to find the answers to those questions. These are questions that nobody has ever answered before. Now, they might be similar to previous research questions, or they might build upon a uh, a foundation of studies, or it could be a very similar species or a similar ecosystem. There's some variation of some sort, though, that makes your project unique. So in other words, you don't know the answers, your advisors don't know the answers, other scientists don't know the answers. It is all unknown, which is, which is why we as scientists do this. We're trying to figure something out. Therefore, when it comes to learning and it comes to coursework, there, for the most part, now it can vary according to school and it can vary according to degree, but for the most part, there isn't this vigorous course load. Now, that doesn't mean that your courses won't necessarily be challenging or you won't learn a lot from your courses, but it's not... Like in in undergrad, the courses are really meant to, to test you and to get you up to a certain point. Whereas in graduate school, the courses are really meant to support you in your research, help you gain this wide understanding of scientific research that makes you a better scientist. And everyone in graduate school they want to learn. They're there because they want to learn. So there isn't this like big emphasis on like getting good grades and again like taking tests and actually in graduate school I have a four point. I had a 4.0. I got A's in all my classes because it's really based on you showing up and doing the work. So what does that work look like? And how is it different than undergrad? So in undergrad, we talked about there's a syllabus, there's different concepts, you're learning different material, you're getting quizzes, you're getting tested. It's a very broad material. So in graduate school, it, it can be very broad And you can have classes too that are more like undergrad. And this is especially true maybe if you're doing statistics courses or modeling courses. Those tend to be pretty similar to undergraduate courses. But if we're talking about wildlife biology, ecology, zoology, those tend to be courses that are much more read scientific papers and discuss as a class through this, you actually end up learning a lot. So there's not going to be the emphasis on textbook reading. You might have to do some of that, but again, and these are, again, these are always generalizations, but for the most part, most of my classes in graduate school were were reading scientific papers and then discussing them. So for example, I had a course on ecological genetics. So every single week, we would read a different scientific paper. And in class, it would not really be a lecture, as more of it was a discussion. So our instructor would talk about some of the general principles behind these concepts. And the scientific per- paper would serve as a means to discuss those concepts, and we would discuss and debate them as a class. Because one of the things about science is that there's no perfect study, and really a, a paper is a study, so we would, we would pick the study apart, talk about things that could have potentially gone wrong, p- potential weaknesses of the study. And this is not to undermine science at all. This is so that we become better scientists and stronger scientists. So you learn how to break apart a scientific research paper. You learn how to be an expert at reading these peer-reviewed publications. And a lot of times when you're, when you're doing these studies or you're critiquing these studies, a lot of the, the things that you're critiquing actually are not really at fault of the scientists. So yes, there absolutely are bad studies out there, bad research designs, but for the most part when you're, when you're doing these criticisms, it's usually the researcher usually was not able to go as far as they wanted to go because of a lack of funding or something like that. Or for example, in my work with African forest elephants... And if you're interested, I have a whole series of podcast episodes on African forest elephants and all of my research in my my PhD on them goes into detail about the different how I studied them and how I set it up and everything. So it's a real great insight into graduate school. So. So with forest elephants, I was limited a lot by money. The country where I worked in, Gabon, it was actually pretty expensive, and I could only stay there. My budget only allowed for me to stay there for a certain number of nights, so my field season was limited, and in terms of like amplifying the DNA in dung samples, only certain samples would work in the lab. So there were things that were out of my control, and increasing the sample size would have made my study better, but again there were things that i that i couldn't i couldn't have any control over so a lot of your courses will be honestly like understanding the scientific process having a good foundation in whatever your field is so you know, for me, it was ecology, it was animal behavior, it was non-invasive genetics. You also are going to have some basic classes that all scientists have to go through, and those are all about ethics and and so I'll, there's a lot of criticism of scientists today for for being biased and as human beings there is innate bias you can't remove bias but what i can say is that what graduate school does is it trains you to be aware of any bias that you may have in terms of setting up the research and even like as obvious as like favoring a certain outcome so we are trained to deal with that and to minimize that as much as possible so My experience going through graduate school and working with scientists later on is that yes, you have a certain expectation of how things might come out in your research, but people are trained to read the data and to go with what the patterns of the data say. And you can't, it's not really easy to get away with manipulating the data to be the way that, to to get them to say what you want them to say. Again, listen to the podcast episode about what is science. It talks about the peer review process. You have to respond to usually three different independent scientists that make it really difficult for you to get away with things like that. And then nowadays, everything, or not everything, but people are really asking for open access of data. So they're requiring scientists to deposit the raw data into a repository that anyone can access. So you have the full data set and somebody can do the same types of analyses and they should get the same types of answers. In graduate school, you're also not taking that many years of coursework as well. So your master's program will last between two to three years, whereas a PhD will take five to seven years. And really, you're only taking courses the first two years in a PhD, maybe one year in a master's, maybe two years in a master's. And you're also taking fewer courses too. It's not, you're not going to have like, you know, this huge course load like you have in undergrad. It is going to be I think the most I took was maybe like 3 classes a semester. I can't I can't remember that much. So so yeah, so graduate school it's like a job. It's like work. <laughs> you are doing your research and when my former mother-in-law would say that to me about like how school is going, that's what I tried to explain to her. It was like it was like a job. Like being in graduate school wasn't really different than having a postdoc position the North Carolina Museum of Natural Sciences when I worked there. I was doing research. I was publishing papers. That was the whole goal. The difference is in graduate school, you're really training how to do this. And as I mentioned, in undergrad, you don't learn how to do science. And even in my internships and other research experiences that I had, I didn't feel like I had the training of a scientist, even though I was participating in research, because I didn't own a scientific project from start to finish. So it was always somebody else's responsibility. So in other words, if I was having a hard time in the lab, like say, like like I was having a hard time getting some samples to work, or... I ran an analysis and it didn't work or I needed to write an introduction and I ran out of time because my internship ended or I you know, took it so far and I turned it in to the advisor. In all of those cases, you would have someone else who like takes it to the next level. And when you're in graduate school, the job of your advisor and your committee members is to teach you how to take it to that next level on your own. And before I started graduate school, my friend and I talk about this a lot. We thought that uh, graduate school would be a lot like an apprenticeship. I remember I used to watch the, the Disney cartoon, The Sword in the Stone with Merlin, and he would have this apprentice. And you visualize it Like you're going to sit next to your advisor and they're going to teach you how to do things. Like you're kind of going to be kind of like looking over your shoulder, over their shoulder, and they're going to be showing you the ways of science. It might be like that a little bit in the beginning, And honestly, though, for a lot of people, it's not like that ever. So with my advisor, you know, she definitely taught me how to do the lab work. I I was her first student, so I got really that one-on-one attention. But if you are in an already established lab, likely it will be another graduate school student that teaches you how to do things, may even be a lab manager. But really, your advisor's role is to help you form your project and carry it along. But when you hit roadblocks, when you hit problems, like like for me in my garage band audio example where I couldn't get it to work, if you go to your advisor and say, like, I can't get this to work. I don't know how to get this to work. Yes, there are definitely some things you can bring to them. But for the most part, they're not going to know how to solve your problems. Because When you're a scientist, you're using cutting-edge methods, cutting-edge data analyses. It's constantly changing. It's constantly improving. So your advisor is not going to troubleshoot for you. It's going to be up to you. So that is so much of what graduate school is about, figuring out problems to your questions. And when I graduated with my PhD, I really felt this air of like, I can do anything. Like, I can solve any problem. There's this book I love by Marie Forleo called Everything is Figure Outable. And that What graduate school is like, like you just figure out how to get it done. And this can require reaching out to your lab mates, but they have their own projects too, so you can't rely on them. Reaching out to people who have published studies who are similar to yours, going to conferences, learning online. So many times I would do data analysis and just have to search the error that I was having in the software program R that I use and look through all of the things posted and see if I could try to problem solve that way. So in graduate school, you're gonna have an advisor. This is incredibly important. They are the ones who are um, in, in charge of mentoring you and your project is going to be very similar to at least one component of their research. And then you're also going to form a committee too. So it's going to be at least two other people for a master's and at least three other people for a PhD. And your committee basically helps your advisor and you carry your project to fruition. So they play a much more supporting role compared to your advisor, but you can absolutely turn to them with issues. And when choosing a graduate school, you're going to want to consider other professors at that university who can support you in your research. So for example, my advisor didn't have any experience in animal behavior. I made sure to include a committee member on my on my committee who studied animal behavior so you want to round out your your committee like that and then when you're doing graduate school your your defense whether it's your thesis defense for your master's or your phd defense your dissertation defense really like everyone thinks that that's like the big scary thing but it's not Because once you get to that level, you're pretty much guaranteed to finish. Your advisor is not going to waste all of their time and the school is not going to waste their money because you get paid a stipend. You get waived tuition if they don't think that you can pass. So there's different, there's committee meetings throughout to make sure that you're on track And there's different exams. Some people might have a qualifying exam. We didn't. We just had a comprehensive exam. If you have a qualifying exam, you'll also have a comprehensive exam. And your comprehensive exam is for PhD only. It's this gigantic week-long exam. You get a day for each committee member. And it tests the, the depth of your knowledge about your study area and the breadth of your knowledge. So if you can imagine... A, a lake or a pond. You want your your question, what you're studying. So for me, it was forest elephants, non-invasive genetics, sociality. You want that to be really deep, but you don't want to just only know about that. You want to have breadth too. So also understand climate change issues and how species respond to climate change. And I don't know. I can't speciation. Just a couple of examples off the top of my head. So that's, so you get tested on this breadth of knowledge. And again, like like people think when you have your PhD or your master's, you just like know things. Like like, like you just memorize all these different facts like kind of like a naturalist. You, like, you memorize all these different species and all these different things. But again, it's not like that at all. You are training to think a different way. You're training to solve a certain problem, to figure out a certain answer. So really... Graduate school is like all about thinking big and thinking deeply. And that's something I really, really loved about graduate school. So, what does graduate school look like on a day to day basis? So, the first couple of years, you're going to be doing more coursework. So, you're going to be actually in courses doing those class discussions. You will probably have a lab meeting. Our lab always did. That's once a week with all of the people in your lab. Usually you read a paper too and discuss, and it's going to be more specific as to what research your lab studies in particular. You are probably going to have to teach unless you have a fellowship. I had a fellowship, so I was lucky I didn't have to teach until my last year. So you're going to be being a teaching assistant for a class. So there are classes and then each class has a lab and then you would be the teaching assistant for that lab. So when I did teach, I taught the lab for general ecology and I taught the lab for non-majors biology. So you will be told what kind of lectures to give and what topics, they will be structured for you. You will probably write your own quizzes, grade papers for ecology, it was writing intensive. So we had to, to grade a lot of written reports and written papers. You're obviously going to be doing your research, which um, will probably include field work. If you're doing lab stuff, it it might involve some lab analysis. You are going to be doing data analysis, and you're going to be doing a lot of reading and a lot of writing. You also might be doing some mentoring as well. I had undergraduates help me in graduate school they helped me run samples they helped me yeah mostly run run the samples amplify the dna and run the gels in my postdoc i also mentored some undergrads to help me prep papers prep figures get some writing started so you will also serve as a mentor too most likely and that's a really great experience for you if you're wondering if you should go to graduate school or if you should get a masters or a PhD, if you're if you're going into wildlife research, like actual research, I highly recommend getting a masters. I think it's really hard to get a job with just a bachelor's. And I have a video, I have a blog post all about the difference between master's and PhD in terms of what you get out of it and how to make that decision. So I will definitely include that in the show notes and that should help you decide if graduate school is right for you. If you are unsure, even after listening to that, if you're on the fence, I am always available for a free consultation to help you. So please reach out to me on um, Instagram and other forms of social media. I have a contact form on my website as well. And then finally, I just wanted to talk about like what graduate school is like in terms of the atmosphere. Now, there are some definite negative things about it. We're going to get into that. And grad school kind of can have a bitter connotation to it. But I seriously loved it. Even though I struggled, Every everyone has struggles. I loved it though. Graduate school was some of the best times of my life. It's incredibly intellectually stimulating. It's so much fun to just learn about things and to learn deeply and to get paid you don't get paid a lot but to get paid to learn deeply to I mean I love reading I love writing So, so yeah, just getting to learn about such interesting concepts, even though I was scared of my comprehensive exam, I actually really loved reading all the books for it. I loved just, I guess I'm just such a nerd. I always did well in school and I just, I just loved learning and I loved reading and it just was like a really satisfying experience. There is also a great community of people as well. I had such great friends in graduate school. We went out every single weekend. We we went out for happy hours and there were tons of like grad student socials. I remember we would always do this thing at one of the professor's homes where we would help him make cider. So there's just like always like lots of fun things going on. So I really loved graduate school. It's it's so easy to meet people, so easy to make friends. I just loved it. Now, the downsides of it, and I do have a Facebook Live about how graduate school is can be perceived as intimidating and how to overcome that. But grad school, yeah, it can be intimidating. I was intimidated when I first started. I've learned now since how to not become intimidated. And like I said, the live is all about that. But I th- I'd say the downfalls of graduate school is that it can be a toxic work environment. There is a lot of pressure to work and to work frequently. And if you actually look at the research, like I read this book called Scrum, I really like it. It's about group work and, and working in teams. And they talked about how that as you reach 40 hours, your productivity decreases. And in academia, people brag about working 60 hours, 80 hours. Just a side note, I have a really hard time believing them, honestly. That's a lot of time to work. I honestly personally think that people inflate the amount of hours that they work and they're not working as efficiently as they could be. But anyway so your productivity goes down. So and then also you got to take care of yourself. Like you need self-care. I have an episode all about self-care as well. So that's the thing that I don't like about graduate school is all of the emphasis on working a lot and not necessarily working smarter. And there can be some negative assumptions if you take time for yourself or take time to do things that are considered self-care that make you happy. So for example, one professor we had, he would actually go to all the labs at night to see who was working. Because again, the impression was that if you're working more hours, that you are more dedicated, that you are more serious. And this was especially ridiculous for us ecology students because you could be working at home. You didn't need to be in a lab. Now, I actually was in a lab. I did genetic work. But still, at that, my first three years, I didn't have any samples. So, so yeah, it's just like a really stupid metric. Even, even if working more hours is better, like just because you're physically in a lab doesn't mean you're not working. Uh, and then also... Just, again, the values, too. Like when I was talking to a professor at my university about making things work with my now ex-husband about moving, and I talked about him having to move his job and just the struggles with what we call the two-body problem, he said to me, you can always get a divorce. (laughs) I I was married at the time. And he was serious, like dead serious. And there's not a lot of other careers where people would say that to you. And people would prioritize their love of their career over their love of their spouse. So those are some of the toxic issues that you can come across in graduate school. And maybe we can do it in a different podcast episode about how we can go more of that into depth I think next week I'm going to do an episode about how to be productive and some tips for starting off the year right, but I hope um, this got you excited about graduate school, if you're thinking about going, and if you're in graduate school, maybe it gave you some insight as to, as some things to um, look out for and to give you an overall timeline, so much of my graduate school experience was kind of like stumbled across so if you're having struggling navigating if you want to be the prepared as as prepared as you can be again reach out to me I'm happy to do a free phone call with you okay guys thanks so much I hope you are having a great week back to school if you're in school and please be kind to animals and be kind to each other bye If you liked this episode, care about wildlife, care about conservation, or know somebody who is interested in going into wildlife biology careers, please share this episode. You can also rate and review my podcast that really helps people find it. My goal is to spread messages of conservation and kindness for wildlife and to help people navigate wildlife biology careers. Rating and reviewing my podcast really helps other people find it. If you have questions or show ideas, you can find me at FancyScientist.com. My social media handles are at FancyScientist. On Instagram, there's an underscore between fancy and scientist. You can also send an email to hello at FancyScientist.com. If you're an aspiring wildlife biologist, ecologist, or zoologist, you can join me every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Facebook Live, where I answer different career questions. You can also ask me questions on the spot. I'm here for you thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. I am so grateful for you. I hope you have an amazing day. Be kind to animals and be kind to each other.